broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. It's time for our monthly series with the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce, the illustrious mm-hmm. Amy Selby with us in the studio today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Memorial Day, here and gone, hard to believe. I know. My body is almost rejecting going into work today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I need to have another couple of days off anyway. Big things coming up on the schedule. We'll get to those here in a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about are businesses to watch for the Chamber of Commerce, because as I understand, both of our guests today are businesses to watch for 2017 for the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce. And and before I introduce our guest, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about what that's all about. Absolutely. For over 30 years, the Cobb Chamber's been honoring the county's small business community and the impact that small businesses and their owners have on Cobb's economy and our overall community. And we've done that by naming the top 25 small businesses of the year, but also um, the small business of the year. And we really wanted to expand that. And a few years ago, we added the businesses to watch category. And these are businesses that are under three years old. So they, uh, in order to qualify to apply for the small business of the year, you have to be three years or older. Okay. So this is us recognizing the amazing startups in our community, the ingenuity of all the entrepreneurs that we have in our county. And these are, these are businesses that are paced to grow and succeed. And they're what we feel are businesses to watch. Awesome. Well, I'm pleased to be joining the morning breakfast next week as the MC. So I yes. have the, the distinct pleasure of actually getting to talk about the small business of the year for Cobb County Chamber and meet some of these other other businesses to watch. So it, it'll be a lot of fun. Hope everybody joins us out there for that. Yes, they. we have found on this show that they have made great radio guests. So we have two here today. And then throughout the year we've had together, we've had businesses that are listed on our top 25 as well. So there'll be a lot of familiar faces in the crowd for you. Well, that brings us to today's guest. We have with us in the studio, CEO of Inbox Pros, Chris Arendale, and from Peachtree Hearing, Josh Wyckoff with us in the studio. Gentlemen, thanks for making your way in. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Sounds like you'll be joining us at the breakfast next week. So I look forward to seeing the outcome of that discussion. Chris, tell us a little bit about what Inbox Pros is all about. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on the show. Inbox Pros is an email deliverability consulting company. So we focus and work with brands on getting their opt-in marketing emails into the inbox. Uh, we work with you know companies and clients of all shapes and sizes from eHarmony, RentPath, Rent.com, Apartment Guide, Winter Media, lots of large organizations on optimizing and getting inbox placement for those marketing emails. Now, when you say opt-in emailing, what are you talking about? Most people ask me, well, so you help spammers get in the inbox. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case. That's why we always preface it with, you know, these, this opt-in marketing, right? So okay. we're not helping those spammers that just buy and scrape lists and just, you know, fill your inbox full of junk mail. Okay. So from my limited understanding about this kind of subject, if I maybe purchase something from an online e-commerce site or subscribe like for a newsletter, things like that. Any retailer these days have a strong email marketing campaign. 
I'm interested yeah. to know how how much of a viable way to market to people is. Uh, first of all, email is definitely the cheapest form of communication from a marketing perspective. I've heard values as high as an email address is worth $45 to any brand or company. And it's one of those you know easy ways to kind of get in front of your subscribers with things like coupons, offers. Again, we have Memorial Day, so I'm sure your inboxes were full of uh, coupons and items from the Memorial Day weekend. People often ask, well, social is going to take over. This social media area is hot, which it is. And it's definitely a way to push your email communications, push to landing pages. But let's not forget, we need an email address to sign up for Twitter. We need an email address to sign up for Facebook. Email is not going away. Email is not dying Email is only getting hotter, it's getting stronger, and it's one of those channels that brands and marketers are fully taking advantage of. When it comes to that number, you said $45 an email. I was, I was going to guess somewhere. I, I, I had heard about uh, a popular radio DJ out there, uh, not a DJ, but a talk show person whose list of subscribers was selling for $8, I'm, I'm so I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot, but geez, $45. Is that because it's so difficult to get somebody willing to share that piece of information? Because they know when I hand it to you, it's some, something's coming to me through this channel. It's very valuable. And I think you know there are a lot of things that are happening in our space having to do with permission. Canada has enacted the uh, CASEL law, which basically states that in order to send marketing communications to any resident in Canada, you need to have explicit opt-in permission by actually checking a checkbox physically. It cannot be pre-checked and stating, yes, I do want to receive this. The GDPR over in the UK is happening, same sort of legislation. That explicit opt-in permission is definitely key, and it definitely helps with things like deliverability and compliance. Now, when, when you talk about things like Improving inbox placement. What does that mean? Too often, people, marketers will, you know, oversend, right? They'll oversend. They won't have the proper uh, DNS records, the proper authentications. They won't optimize their content. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into deliverability. Uh, reputation is also very important. So I kind of equate deliverability and reputation to your first day of high school. You walk in your first day and you get to reinvent yourself. You know, do you want to uh, hang out with the jocks? Do you want to be in the band? And so that really kind of <clears throat> establishes who you are and your credibility. Mm -hmm. And that's just like stepping out with a brand new IP address or brand new domain if you're sending marketing emails. You have to establish that good reputation and continue with that good reputation as you continue to send. Low bounces, low complaints, high opens, that helps. Now, you're able, I, I know that there are companies out there that help with the process of marketing automation. Are we talking about that as part of what you do or is that you're, you're more facilitating it from a different different level? We work with a lot of marketing automation companies, okay. uh, email service providers. We're the strategy behind that. So we, you know, with those companies, they'll set you up so you can actually send email, you can upload your list, upload your content, create some programs and programs and campaigns. We're there to help be more of the white glove strategy that relates to what sending domain should we choose? What DNS records do we need? What type of content should we send? How do we optimize cadence and frequency? You know, all of that kind of behind the scenes strategy and consulting that leads to high inbox placement. What is it that, is there a particular facet of those elements that really kind of 
you find to be some of the more important ones that if I'm not paying attention to these, it can really damage my ability to get this information out? My experience has been that marketers and brands don't pay attention to simple reports. They don't look at opens. They don't look at clicks. They don't look at bounces. They don't look at complaints, opt-outs. That's kind of the basics, right? Looking at that data helps tell a story as to how well your list is performing, how well your campaigns are performing or not. And so that's kind of like a fundamental. On top of that, looking at your reputation. So there's a lot of different reputation sources and blacklists and data that you get back that says, hey, Gmail is showing I have a bad reputation. Hotmail is showing that I'm, you know, hitting too many spam traps. All of this data together is really a goldmine that together works to either improve inbox placement or you just don't know what's going on. And when your sales start to decline and upper management comes to you and says, hey, what's going on? You may not know what's happening. Do you find that there are particular industry verticals that should be contemplating linking up with folks such as inbox pros to take a look at some of these metrics? Is it, I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty detailed. Um, Do I need to be a midsize to large company before this makes sense? Or can that small merchant also gain value from this kind of information? We work with a lot of small businesses as well. I would say in my past experience, I would have said, hey, any B2C company would be a great client of ours. The fact is that a lot of B2B companies also need help. There are a lot of you know, intricacies that go into email and deliverability for B2B customers. Both B2B and B2C from a small, medium, large enterprise uh, would be a good fit. I often, you know, I, I think back to, you know, helping the, the quote unquote little guy out and helping them understand the basics. And then as they grow, of course, oftentimes they'll grow with us. Mm-hmm. What is the service like? Is it, a, is it a technology platform? Is it software as a service? Is it more c- consulting where the humans I'm sitting with, either on the phone or in person, are, are guiding me? How, does it, how do you deliver? It's, um, so we don't have you know, a software platform. It is all just you know, face-to-face strategy and consulting. Okay. We put together reports. What probably the one of the more uh, the most important services that we offer is what we call a deliverability audit, and what we do is we take a look at everything. Right, we're we're looking underneath the hood to see our record set up. How is content working? Do you have your list optimized? We're basically doing a a checkpoint of tasks and tests along the way to see how things look, where to improve, recommendations, and then afterwards we'll stick with a you know a customer to go through monitoring, reporting you know, additional help, things like that. Talking with the CEO of Inbox Pros, they're a company that can help you optimize the success rate uh, and deliverability of email marketing contacts to those subscribers in your uh, email list of past and, and hopefully future customers and learning about how they help large and small businesses. You talked earlier, Chris, about a Google reputation. Talk about that. I'm I'm kind of curious. How do how do you get a Google reputation, and how do yeah. you check it? It seems like that might be something you want to know. Yeah, it's you know a lot of people kind of equate it to like you know the uh, the art of SEO too, right? You know all these hidden uh, analytics and and measurements to see how your how uh, Gmail or other ISPs look at you. Um, <clears throat> Gmail has a free tool called their Gmail Postmaster Tools. It's easy to set up. It's just gmail.com/postmaster. You put in your sending domain, you get a DNS record. <clears throat> Once you update your domain's DNS with that text record, 
you'll start looking at data in their dashboard to see how your IP reputation looks, your domain reputation, you know, complaints. They actually give you a lot of data, and you can look at that data from a historical pattern and look at trends to see things like, we didn't do so well on May 29th. What happened? Well, you know, it was that holiday send that, you know, Bob over in marketing wanted to, you know, send to the list that's five years old and look at all the bounces and complaints and problems that we had. You know, you can start equating that back to the real data that, you know, you have. Microsoft has a similar tool. Uh, AOL's got tools. It's all about looking at your audience and your list and looking at what tools make sense and monitoring those and trending those over time. And again, Gmail Postmaster tools, free. Microsoft tools, free. These are free tools that marketers can use and have access to. It's just all about setting it up, but then watching it, right? You know, we all get our emails from Nest, right, that has the monthly, you know, how we did for the month. Does anybody ever really look at that? You know, are you making changes based upon that? It's not a set it and forget it. Look at it, trend it, and make changes accordingly. Interesting. I I, I find this sort of conversation pretty fascinating. I think it's easy to overlook some of this information. And when it comes to investing in, in expertise like this, I mean, what are we talking? I would assume there's going to be some measure of return on this investment. If right. my email is getting to more people who want it um, and they're not kicking it out or saying unsubscribe, obviously that gets me closer to those conversions. I'm curious about how do you get to ROI on something like this? We know we've got a few case studies in our site, and one of them is from eHarmony. And eHarmony came to us and said that every email that they were sending uh, to Gmail was going in the junk folder. They saw revenues decline. They saw opens and clicks decline. We worked with them, and between probably in less than two weeks, we were able to get them back into the inbox at Gmail by looking at data, reports, analytics, trends, looking at all this information and putting a plan in place that's easy for them but also makes sense for not just them, but for Gmail. Gmail only cares in Hotmail and AOL and all these ISPs. They care about their mailboxes. They don't care that Best Buy has this coupon that has to get in the inbox. They don't care about that. They care about the security, the privacy, and the uptime of their users and the mailboxes. So whatever makes sense from a filtering perspective, blacklist perspective, inbox perspective, that's what they're going to do. How much... How active are people in complaining about such things? And uh, when you you talked about, I I think a lot of people just go away or block, you know, certain contacts and different things like that. But how many people actually go to the point of contacting either an ISP or uh, Google or whatever? A data center. Yeah, service. It happens more than you would think. It's still the, you know, most people just hit the the report spam button or the jump button, right? Mm -hmm not having the opt-out or the unsubscribe verbiage easy to see makes people hit that spam button, which affects deliverability. An unsubscribe doesn't hurt you. A spam complaint does. If they were to contact the data center, if they were to contact a blacklist and say, this person sent this to me and and I never signed up, I never did this, I never did that, that could hurt you from actually being able to send to those networks or being able to send altogether. If you're working with an ESP or a marketing automation provider and they get a phone call or an email from their data center that says, brand X that just sent out of your system is generating a lot of complaints and we're getting phone calls about it, more than likely you're not going to be able to send for a while. You're going to be in this cooling off period for them to understand what happened, who that was sent to, who your list is going to, and things like that. 
How one thing that's always made me nervous, I'm pretty good. We talked about security. One of the things that I'm pretty good about is not clicking links from sources that I'm pretty confident I, you know, I didn't ask for. And I, I've over time been a recipient of emails from various sites I've visited, right? And, and understand that's how they got my email and that's right. why they're connecting, contacting me. How risky is that unsubscribe link? Cause there's times when I click on that and I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm tired of the, of the newsletter. I'm not really getting a whole lot right. out of it. So I'm going to stop it. But I mean, I, is that a risky thing? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it seems like that could be exploited. I don't, I don't mean to throw fear out no. there, but that's one of those things. You got to click a link to unsubscribe and that's a great place to, <laughs> You do. To and, put something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, those, you know, phishing links happen all the time, right? And so yes. one great thing is that a lot of the ISPs and networks do scanners, you know, have those scanners that check those links for validity and they make sure they're not phishing. But one that gets through could be a problem. So Gmail, along with others, now have a unsubscribe at the very top of the email that's actually in the message itself next to the brand or sender's name that actually Gmail is reading that unsubscribe and then actually putting a link there instead of putting it in the content. So next time you look at your you know, Gmail account or mm-hmm. you know, some of these other ones that provide that list unsubscribe header, you'll see unsubscribe next to the brand's name. So instead of actually clicking the link in the content, they're reading the header and, pu- and reading that full unsubscribe and putting a link so that that way it makes people you know be- feel more at ease that this is a link that right. I feel secure about. That's good to know. I know it'll help me because mm-hmm. I I have a few over time that I've accumulated, but again, just trying to stay away from links that I'm not a- anticipating. Even though I realize unsubscribe comes with you know with that type of outbound mail, right? But <clears throat> I, I, I've always felt like that's a that's a great tr- Trojan horse kind of way to get get somebody to uh, to click on something. And so required by can spam, so you have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's really great to know. And I'm curious to know. I mean, what kind of background leads you into this? Is it marketing? Um, is it technology? What 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 makes you the expert that you are in this kind of subject? Well, I went to Emory University to become a lawyer. Worked at a law firm, took over their IT department, worked with legal software all my life. Uh, been in the IT space for you know uh, almost eighteen years. Came to a point that uh, lawyers were asking me, "Hey, billboards are expensive, commercials are expensive. We yeah. heard of this email marketing that we want to get into." And so I started working with lawyers on setting up mail servers, working with Constant Contact, Exact Target, all these you know older ESPs back in the day. Found out, you know, okay, these lawyers were purchasing lists. They were getting on blacklists. There were a lot of DNS items that had to be set up. I'm like, this is interesting. You know, this is a whole space in and of itself. And so, uh, you know, started working for email service providers, startups, agencies, and, uh, you know, felt it was time to have a white glove, unique um, service that caters just to deliverability and compliance for for brands and marketers. Do you then let things like questions like how much should I spend on on a given campaign do you leave that to say a, a marketing agent or somebody like that typically yes I mean you know when it comes to you know we we work with a lot of agencies around town and around the country uh, we work with a lot of you know ESPs and, and other companies that are in our space and we just focus on like the deliverability and compliance stuff anything else will you know connect with other people or we'll have them work with others just because you know, to be in this space, it's a lot of information. 
and you need to have that niche. And so you're not like pretending to, oh, we can design content. We could design a logo. We don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. We focus just on the deliverability space. And it's proven to be a space that you know has been needed. There's not a lot of people that do this. There's not a, really an independent agency that does this. And so we work with you know, clients of all shapes and sizes around the world. And that's one of the main reasons we've been able to grow the business. Do you have contact information that you'd want to share in case uh, somebody listening to us today says, wow, I need to, I need to look into some of this and, and get, get on board with Inbox Pros? Uh, our website is www.inboxpros.com. You can shoot me an email, chris, C-H-R-I-S, at inboxpros.com or info, I-N-F-O, at inboxpros.com. We have links to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, LinkedIn page, and we publish a lot of articles in our blog just because our in our space, we want to give back and we want to educate marketers and brands for things they can do themselves, but also stay educated on. We offer a Deliverability 101 and 201 class, and we're working to get that certified through the DMA so that that way we can now have a deliverability certification as opposed to just a email marketing certification. Direct mail association, is that what that Direct is? Direct marketing. Direct marketing, okay. Well, I, I, I find this kind of conversation fascinating. I'm, I, I've had the good fortune of getting to meet folks like yourself over the last three years, and, and I'm constantly getting amazed by different services and, and things that are out there for businesses that I had no idea were around, so... I appreciate you stopping in today for sure. Thank you. I was saying earlier how we have Dr. Josh Wyckoff, Doctor of Audiology of Peachtree Hearing with us in the studio. Well, thanks for sitting in and congratulations on being a business to watch in 2017. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Talk to us about the company. What's Peachtree Hearing all about? Peachtree Hearing is a full-service audiology practice. So uh, it's family-owned. Me and my wife own the practice together, and my wife is the doctor. In audiology practice, we do everything related to the inner ear. So we test hearing. We deal with hearing loss, ringing in the ears, balance or vertigo. Also, oftentimes, come uh, balance issues come from the inner ear. So really, anything relating to the inner ear, that is what we do, even musician services. I would imagine that you probably see quite a few of those. I had, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, when I was a kid, I listened to music really loud in the car all the time. And I had a 5% induced hearing loss by the time I was a junior in high school. Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. This 5%. Is very common trend. I mean, especially, um, you know, people coming up who've gone to concerts their whole life, people wearing headphones all the time, all the time now. So, Noise-induced hearing loss is uh, is very common, and we see a lot of patients with with those issues. I would imagine with the young people now that that is becoming a a lot more of a of an issue. Once you know the whole Walkmans came in in the eighties, and then you know became even better speakers over time with the devices. Everybody, I I'm the same way. I use both headphones for phone calls as well as music, and and from what I understand, that time. It's not just volume, but it's also exposure through time. And it is. You're yeah, seeing a lot it, of those it, people. It does. It, it makes a difference how long you listen, even in the individual sessions and over a greater period of time. And the volume also is important. And there are things out there now, you know, for instance, we dispense headphones that are noise limiting. A lot of uh, families come in, they don't want their children to listen to music at unsafe levels, but their kids wear headphones. So they buy special headphones that have a switch on them and they prevent those headphones from producing sound that's damaging to the ear. So they can be a nice quality listening device. Yeah, but they high just fidelity, don't get but not too loud. Interesting. Do they? I, I'm curious about when it comes to um, 
an audiology practice like your own, is it one where, is it similar to optometry in that I can walk in as a patient and be seen, request to be examined or have my child looked at, or is it one where I would need to have a primary care physician suggest that I be seen? No, you could come right in. Uh, you know, typically people make an appointment. It's, it's, I think it's more of a, there's more thought that goes into uh, making the decision to get your hearing checked because when you're, when your vision, uh, you know, you need glasses, you can, you can tell right away, you can see that you can't see hearing is more perceptual. So it takes people longer sometimes to realize that they need their hearing checked, but you can't, you don't need a primary care physician. You can come right in, you know, call us, make an appointment and come and get your hearing checked. And it's something that we encourage everybody to do. You know, people get their, their eyes checked, you get your teeth cleaned. Some people get their heart checked. You probably get your cell phone checked out, but people don't think to check their hearing and it's, it's important. How often would you recommend that, particularly I would imagine that some periodic basis you're getting your, your young children looked at uh, in this way, but mm-hmm. I mean, what are the recommendations as far as just good preventive <clears throat> everything's okay kind of checks. Every couple of years to get to get your hearing checked is is what's recommended. If you have a hearing loss or you have um, other issues that you know about, a yearly hearing test is is recommended to make sure that you know, your hearing is staying consistent every year. I'm sh- I, I I know that it is very disrupting to have loss of hearing, or I can imagine the people that are dealing with. Uh, I'm curious how you say it: tinnitus or tinnitus. Mm-hmm. The ringing in the ears, I can see how that might make one crazy. I mean, how, how big of a problem is tinnitus specifically? Tinnitus and, and even just hearing loss in general. Hearing loss is, is a huge problem and it's, it's, it's greatly untreated. Most, you know, there's a, a very large population of people with hearing loss um, that don't do anything about it. And, you know, sometimes it takes um, an event or an, a family member to, you know, to get them to, uh, to come in, get their hearing tested. Tinnitus also is, uh, we see a lot of patients with tinnitus. People come in, like you said, they can't, they have trouble sleeping. You know, it's very disruptive to your life to have ringing. Sometimes it's buzzing or or whooshing noise in in your ears. A lot of times that is related to hearing loss as well. So we find a lot of people come in because they have ringing in the ears. We get, they test their hearing and we find out that they have a hearing loss. And by treating the hearing loss, that oftentimes deals with, with the ringing in the ears. But it's, it is very common it's sort of an elusive issue. You know, a lot of people have been told that there's nothing they can do about the ringing in their ears. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that there is a lot that can be done. You can have your hearing tested. We have, you know, we have a whole network of people that we work with specifically around tinnitus, doctors who do behavioral training and cognitive rehabilitation, um, you know, if it's not related to to an actual hearing loss. So there's a lot of patients out there and there's a lot that can be done to help them. So I I didn't realize there were treatments available for patients that are dealing with the ringing in their ears like that. And mm-hmm. I know that the technology has really advanced quite a bit with regards to prosthetic hearing devices, sure. whether they are implanted devices or just ones that you wear in or, or, or around your ear. You want to talk a little bit about some of the technology that's available for patients that have sure, developed yeah. a hearing loss like that? Yeah, there are, there are lots of different solutions, different um, levels of, of hearing aids based on your hearing loss, based on uh, on your budget and your lifestyle as well. There's over-the-ear hearing aids that sort of sit on the top of your ear. There's hearing aids that go inside of your ear. And you're right. I mean, the technology has advanced just in the last five years. There's great advancements in hearing technology. There's a lot. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot to know about hearing aids. It's why you need an audiologist to get 
you know, to treat your hearing loss. They're not the sort of, uh, you know, I think people, when they think about hearing aids, typically they think it's like just sort of like a microphone that you stick in your ear, but they're really far more complex than that. They're more like little computers that sit in your ear. And uh, I think one of the important things to remember is that the idea is not that we just want to amplify all the sound that you're hearing. We want to, we want to zero in on those frequencies that you actually have a hearing loss at, we want to amplify those frequencies so I that see. we're not just making everything loud. You know, that's I, just, I think that gives a person a headache when you just sort of make everything loud for them, you know? I guess in a way that would almost be counterproductive and do damage in and of itself. I didn't realize that they're able now to break the, the sound up into different channels, like you're saying, frequency channels, if you will, and yep. then just letting certain ones be amplified. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you come in, you have your hearing tested, the result is an audiogram, which is uh, you know basically a graph that shows us where you have hearing loss. And typically, people have hearing loss either at the highest frequencies or the lowest frequencies. Not always. Sometimes there's you know sometimes there's a mismatch between the ears, or sometimes you're missing just a certain frequency. But it's most common that you're missing a certain section. So uh, high frequencies like your consonants, your st- t- those those noises. You know those are those are the noises that give words their meaning in a lot of ways. So. You know, we want to amplify those sounds and not everything that you're hearing normally. When it comes to care by an audiologist, doctor of audiology, like like that you have here at Peachtree Hearing, Mm -hmm. I've never gone to an audiologist. I have had my hearing checked. Obviously, I was actually a speech therapist that was one of our football coaches back in the day that did my hearing test. But since that time, I have not gone back. When it comes to this kind of care, my insurance covers, I guess, my visits. But if I need things like... Uh, devices like hearing aids or other other therapeutic uh, devices. Does my insurance help me with this kind of care as well? Typically not. And it's surprising to hear that because you know, I think when you ask most people about hearing loss, they would, they, you know, if a person has a hearing loss, we would consider that to be a medical issue. Um, but the insurance industry doesn't necessarily view it that way. And mm. so typically hearing aids are not covered by insurance. You can, some insurance providers will um, allow you uh, to be covered for a hearing test, maybe an annual hearing test, not all, um, but most of them don't have any coverage for hearing aids. So most people mm-hmm. end up paying out of pocket for them, or uh, they can use their uh, an FSA or an HSA to pay for it, or going through another organization that will help them to afford it. I got you. And talk about your experience with being part of the, the Cobb County Chamber of Commerce. Obviously, you're getting involved with uh, the chamber, as I have begun to do a little bit more over the last year. I'm sure that that's starting to help raise awareness about what you all are doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, as a new business, you know, we're, we're just about a year old. The thing that we found that has helped us to find patients and sort of spread the word about ourselves and also just about advocacy for hearing aid, uh, for hearing awareness and hearing loss and hearing aids is face-to-face networking. You know, it's actually going out and meeting people and talking to them and, you know, like people that we've met at the Chamber of, Comber, uh, Chamber of Commerce and other networking groups, you know, that has been probably the single most successful marketing technique that we've used to, to spread the word about our business. I have been really impressed by all of the folks that I've met there. If you, you know, because many of the folks from the Chamber check, check out our show here that we're doing with Cobb County, are there some t- tips or suggestions that you would leave the the listener with that either if, you know, if it's been XYZ long since you had a check or what kind of tips you might throw out there for folks before we let you go? 
about about hearing loss. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you're listening to the volume on your TV super loud and your and your wife is complaining to you about it, or you know, you find yourself leaning in all the time to try to hear people, you should get your hearing checked. It's easy. It's non-invasive. It's and I I think it's important to do. Talk about contact information for the for the practice. Yes, you can. Uh, we're located in East Cobb in Marietta, and you can find us at peachtreehearing.com. And coming up, as we've talked about a couple of times, next Monday morning, bright and early, if you're a Chairman's Club member of the Chamber of Commerce, you can be there at 645 for the start of first Monday lunch, or Monday breakfast, rather. Mm-hmm. And then talk about who we're going to be yes. talking with. So our June first Monday breakfast is June 5th, again, um, starting uh, officially at 7.30, but folks can come as early as 6.45, 7 to get some good networking time in. Um, we'll be at the Cobb Galleria Center, and it's a big milestone moment of the year for the Chamber and, the, and its members because we'll be naming the Small Business of the Year, and we'll be honoring our top 25 Small Businesses of the Year and our 2017 Businesses to Watch. Anything else on the calendar that folks should be making sure they've got signed up for? I would say the best... The big event uh, that I want to talk about today is the breakfast, but also um, check out our event calendar. We have lots of things going on. Um, Even during the summer, uh, we still have Cobb Connections, our business builder events, um, and we may even have a business after hours coming up soon too. But go to um, www.cobbchamber.org slash events to go to our event calendar. I also want to recognize we have two sponsors that are sponsoring our breakfast in June. We've got Nova Copy and Service First Bank. And without their sponsorship, we wouldn't be having the breakfast. Thanks so much to them. It's a great event. Mm -hmm. I've had an opportunity to go now and and, uh, we'll be uh, a regular at those. Awesome event. Many, many people there and and a great place to go uh, meet the the people in the business community. It is the, the event to go to each month for the chamber. Clearly. It's, you get a lot of business done at these meetings. Mm-hmm. We recognize it's early, so we have lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> food is great. And we do have great food too, thanks to the Galleria staff. But you get a lot of business done by 8 a.m. in the morning. Yes, I would agree. And then you're in your office back at 9.30. So it's great. The other thing I wanted to mention is uh, we have um, a collaboration project with Cobb Galleria Center, Cobb Travel and Tourism, and the county's community improvement districts, also in Atlanta Magazine. So the June issue of Atlanta Magazine has a special section on Cobb County. All of those organizations, including the Chamber, partner together to write about our entrepreneurs in the community, the places to go and see. Obviously, we talked about SunTrust Park and the Battery Atlanta, uh, Cobb's Nightlife, and all sorts of great things, ways for people to um, explore and celebrate the Cobb community. Lots of cool things going on in the business community around Cobb County. And I'm really excited. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to get started, but I'm on the board with the Cobb County Library Foundation. We help raise awareness about the cool programs that are available in the Cobb libraries. And I can assure you, it's not the library that I'm familiar with when I was a little kid going in to check out books on World War II and the Civil War and others. It was just books which was great. But nowadays, it's internet service, it's recording uh, studios, all kinds of technology that the community can go and have access to that I had no idea was available to them. So I'm really pleased to be helping to elevate awareness around that. We're going to be doing 
a special series through the show to help foster that initiative to increase community awareness of what is available there in the library and to maybe invite some of our colleagues around the business community to help us maybe energize this economic engine. I was really surprised by how many people are there in the middle of the day using those services. I mean, it was the, the, the Schweitzer Library is packed in the middle of the day, taking advantage of all the different services to either maybe put together a resume or learn how to do that to submitting resumes for for job applications, different things that help the the business community grow in Cobb County. So I'm really pleased to be a part of that. And as we get going, having those shows in the libraries, we'll be inviting lots of Cobb businesses from the area to join us about that. And if you're a business uh, leader here in the Cobb County area, make sure you reach out to us. Let us know that you'd like to appear. We'll try to get you set up with our segment here with the Cobb Chamber of Commerce so that you can have that double exposure uh, through our media outlet and then also through the Cobb um, channels as well. If you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast lives, and you can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, and you can check it out when it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information with your networks. You might just be putting some piece of information out there that helps somebody's business that means something to you. So we'll say thanks in advance to all the folks that do that. Gentlemen, thanks for making your way into the studio today. It's not always easy to get in here to Buckhead. And then, of course, we threw a little rain in this morning. So I'm sure it was it was uh, pleasant. But I'm, I'm happy to have you here and be featuring yet some more cool businesses from Cobb County. Thank you very much for having me. Yep, thank you. Amy? Yes. I look forward to catching up with you Monday morning. Yes. Everybody out there, if you've not done so already, get out and RSVP for it. I think you can register through tomorrow or Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Don't be left out, man. Come and find out what's happening in business in Cobb County. And we'll see you all next week, same time. We'll see you then.